content of this program is intended for people who are blind and print impaired. Hello and welcome to our October 2023 edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately, a program from the North Carolina Reading Service. I'm George Douglas. This program is brought to you by the Friends of the State Library of North Carolina Accessible Books and Library Services, an organization of citizens, volunteers, and patrons all interested in supporting the library and the services it provides. The Friends Group was founded in 1989 and now has more than 300 members across North Carolina. If you would like to join the Friends Group yourself, we'll have information on how to do that later in the program. This program is all about books available from the State Library of North Carolina, Accessible Books and Library Services. The library has more than 86,000 titles in its collection. Books and magazines are available in large print, braille, and talking books as well. The library also has more than 11,000 patrons across the state. And if you're not a patron but are interested in becoming one, I'll have more information about that at the end of this program as well. This month, we'll take a look at some of the most popular books checked out in the month of September at the State Library of North Carolina, Accessible Books and Library Services. We begin the program this month with a book entitled Simply Lies by the very popular author David Baldacci. Motherhood is no barrier to crime-busting in this very clever thriller. Here's the plot. Mickey Gibson is an ex-crime scene tech, ex-cop, ex-detective, and a single mother of two tykes, including one who's been known to throw up on her. Well, she works at home as an investigator for Pro-I, chasing down criminals online, and she is quite good at it. Her ex-hubby, the rat, had said he wanted a big family, but bugged out on her when the daddy-do list ruined his weekends. Now a phone call turns her life upside down. A woman she doesn't know, ostensibly from pro-life, asks her to do some field work, inventory the contents of an old mansion. The woman at first goes by Arlene. But she might really be Clarice or Francine. In other words, she's a liar, plain and simple, and she has strong motivation to get Mickey involved. Naturally, the contents of the mansion include a murder victim, a smelly corpse that had once been a criminal on a global scale. Mickey feels compelled to solve the crime, though she'd emphatically told, It's not your job to solve this sucker. You're not a cop anymore. More murders follow as the possibility of a hidden treasure looms. Two strong, engaging women drive the complicated plot. The multitasking mom, who's compelled to solve a crime while defending against threats to her children, and the childless manipulator, who has her own big-time personal issues. She let's call her Clarice for now, has the best lines. Hell with just the right eyeliner. I can rule the world. And life was a shell game. The winners could just hide the truth better than everybody else. 
and she has a lot to hide. In the end, the plot elements are all tied up in a neat little bow. More good fun from a master storyteller. That was a book entitled Simply Lies by David Baldacci. Now let's take a look at a book called The Housemaid. It was written by Frida McFadden. Here's the plot for this one. Welcome to the family. Nina Winchester says, as I shake her elegant manicured hand, I smile politely, gazing around the marble hallway. Working here is my last chance to start fresh. I can pretend to be whoever I like, but I'll soon learn that the Winchester's secrets are far more dangerous than my own. Every day I clean the Winchester's beautiful house top to bottom. I collect their daughter from school, and I cook a delicious meal for the whole family before heading up to eat alone in my tiny room on the top floor. I try to ignore how Nina makes a mess just to watch me clean it up, how she tells strange lies about her own daughter, and how her husband Andrew seems more broken every day. But as I look into Andrew's handsome brown eyes, so full of pain, it's hard not to imagine what it would be like to live Nina's life. The walk-in closet, the fancy car, the perfect husband. I only try on one of Nina's pristine white dresses once, just to see what it's like. But she soon finds out, and by the time I realize my attic bedroom door only locks... From the outside, it's far too late. But I reassure myself, the Winchesters don't know who I really am. They don't know what I'm capable of. An unbelievably twisty read that will have you glued to the pages late into the night. Anyone who loves the woman in the window, the wife between us, and the girl on the train won't be able to put this one down. Sounds like a pretty good one. It's called The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. And now let's turn to another book by a very popular writer. This is a book by Nora Roberts, and it's called Identity. Roberts revisits a favorite theme, the power of community can defeat a great evil. Here's the plot. After escaping from a serial killer, a woman tries to reclaim her life. After a childhood as an army brat, Morgan Albright is determined to put down roots. She bought a small house in the perfect neighborhood outside of Baltimore, living with a friend and working two jobs to make ends meet. Morgan's life is happy and fulfilling, and she is making progress on her financial and career goals. Her perfect world is shattered when someone breaks into her home and murders her roommate. At first, the police assume it was a random act of violence. But after discovering the killer stole Morgan's identity and her entire savings, they realize the crime fits the profile of a serial killer named Gavin Roswell. The police inform Morgan 
that her roommate was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was the real intended target. Morgan's grief, coupled with the financial devastation from the identity theft, leaves her no choice but to return home to Vermont to live with her mother and grandmother. Morgan reconnects with her family and rebuilds her life, including landing the perfect job and falling in love. The police and FBI pursue Gavin, who continues to stalk and kill women, each time leaving a reminder at the crime scene that shows he's fixated on Morgan as the one who got away. Roberts shows Gavin's slow descent into obsession and madness as the inverse of Morgan's healing journey back to herself and her community. The novel highlights Morgan's preparations for the inevitable final countdown with Gavin, but the lack of immediacy and urgency of the threat makes for a subdued, restrained killer. Roberts revisits a favorite theme, the power of community can defeat a great evil. Once again, the book is called very simply Identity, and it is by Nora Roberts. Now let's take a look at a book called Dreamland. This one's by Nicholas Sparks. This brand new captivating love story by the internationally bestseller and beloved author of The Notebook. And this is from the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Wish. It's a poignant love story about risking everything for a dream and whether it's possible to leave the past behind. Colby Mills once felt destined for a musical career until tragedy grounded his aspirations. Now the head of a small family farm in North Carolina, he spontaneously takes a gig playing at a bar in St. Pete's Beach, Florida, seeking a rare break from his duties at home. But when he meets Morgan Lee, his world is turned upside down, making him wonder if the responsibilities he has shouldered need dictate his life forever. The daughter of affluent Chicago doctors, Morgan has graduated from a prestigious college music program with the ambition to move to Nashville and become a star. Romantically and musically, she and Colby complete each other in a way that neither has ever known. While they are falling headlong in love, Beverly is on a heart-pounding journey of another kind, fleeing an abusive husband with her six-year-old son. She is trying to piece together a life for them in a small town far off the beaten track. With money running out and danger seemingly around every corner, she makes a desperate decision that will rewrite everything she knows to be true. In the course of a single unforgettable week, two young people will navigate the exhilarating heights and heartbreak of first love. Hundreds of miles away, Beverly will put her love for her young son to the test. And fate will draw all three people together in a web of life-altering connections, forcing each to wonder whether the dream of a better life can ever survive the weight of the past. Once again, the book is entitled Dreamland, and it's by Nicholas Sparks.
And you're listening to Heard Any Good Books Lately, our October 2023 edition. I'm George Douglas. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you're enjoying the program. Let's turn now to a book called The Five-Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand. This is from the New York Times bestselling author of The Hotel Nantucket. After tragedy strikes, food blogger Hollis Shaw gathers four friends from different stages in her life to spend an unforgettable weekend on Nantucket. Hollis Shaw's life seems picture perfect. She's the creator of the popular food blog Hungry with Hollis and is married to Matthew, a dreamy heart surgeon. But after she and Matthew get into a heated argument one snowy morning, he leaves for the airport and is killed in a car accident. The cracks in Hollis's perfect life, her strained marriage, and her complicated relationship with her daughter Caroline grow deeper. So when Hollis hears about something called a five-star weekend, one woman organizes a trip for her best friend from each phase of her life, her teenage years, her 20s, her 30s, and midlife. She decides to host her own five-star weekend on Nantucket. But the weekend doesn't turn out to be a joyful Hallmark movie. The husband of Hollis's childhood friend Tatum arranges for Hollis's first love, Jeff Jack Finnegan, to spend time with them, stirring up some old feelings. Meanwhile, Tatum is forced to play nice with abrasive and elitist Drew Ann, Hollis's best friend from UNC Chapel Hill. Drew Ann's career as a prominent Chicago sports agent is on the line after her comments about a client's mental health issues are misconstrued online. Brooke, Hollis's friend from their 30s, has just discovered that her husband is having an inappropriate relationship with a woman at work. Again! And then there's Gigi, a stranger to everyone, including Hollis, who reached out to Hollis through her blog. Gigi embodies an unusual grace and, as it happens, has many secrets. The Five Star Weekend is a surprising and captivating story about friendship, love, and self-discovery set on Nantucket. It will be a weekend like no other. And that is called The Five Star Weekend, and it's by Ellen Hildebrand. Now we'll turn to a book called Hunting Time. It was written by Jeffrey Deaver. Deaver Light, a fleet, irresistible tale with just enough twists to have been imagined by someone else. Here's the plot for Hunting Time. After the reward money, as always, security consultant Coulter Shaw searches for a missing person several other less scrupulous people are searching for, too. The Midwestern startup Harmon Energy Products has worked feverishly to develop Pocket Sun, a room-sized nuclear reactor that holds serious promise for supplying African states' energy needs. Its biggest innovation, 
Founder Marty Harmon tells Shaw is the security intervention trigger developed by engineer Allison Parker, a device that renders the reactor inoperable if it's stolen. When an SIT is itself stolen by an insider planning to sell it to one of Harmon's competitors, Shaw promptly identifies the thief earning a shot at a much bigger reward if he can find Allison Parker, who's taken off with her daughter, teenage math prodigy Hannah, in response to the news that her ex-husband, former Farrington police detective John Merritt, has been released from prison early. Allison's testimony had put Merritt away for three years for assaulting and attempting to kill her. Now, hours after lawyer David Stein warns her that Merritt has been released after only a year, she and the vocally reluctant Hannah have taken a powder, and Merritt has grabbed Stein for information about where they might have gone. The complication is that Shaw and Merritt aren't the only people looking for Allison. A crew of mobbed-up killers are on her trail as well. Remarkably, for the reliably inventive author, that really is the main complication. The converging searches proceed along relatively predictable lines, though Deaver wouldn't be Deaver if he didn't have a cannily timed surprise to detonate along the way. Deaver Light, a fleet, irresistible tale with just enough twists to have been imagined by someone else. And once again, that book is entitled Hunting Time by Jeffrey Deaver. Now let's take a look at another book. This one is called Near Miss, and it's by the popular writer Stuart Woods, along with Brett Battles. Stone Barrington faces down a deadly foe in the latest thrilling adventure in this number one New York Times best-selling series. Following a string of adventures, Stone Barrington is enjoying some downtime in New York City when a chance encounter introduces him to a charming new companion. Too bad she also comes with the baggage of a persistent ex-boyfriend intent on retribution. As Stone skillfully dodges each disturbance, it soon becomes clear that there is potentially an even more treacherous game being played behind the scenes. And when long-standing grudges resurface, Stone is brought back into the orbit of some familiar enemies. He must use all of his tricks, as well as those of a few old friends, to evade trouble before it's too late. But this time, danger just might catch him. Once again, the book is called Near Miss, and it's by Stuart Woods and Brett Battles. Now a, uh, well, I guess you'd say a repeat performance on this particular program, another book by James Patterson, always very popular. This one is entitled The House of Wolves. The murder of a billionaire patriarch triggers a bloody battle for control of his empire. For fans of Succession, Yellowstone, and number one best-selling duo James Patterson and Mike Lupica. 
Here's the plot. Joe Wolf applies a cutthroat determination to his life's work. From to building a California business empire to parenting three sons and a daughter. Kill or be killed. So when the patriarch takes a deadly cruise on San Francisco Bay, Joe Wolf's bloodline becomes SFPD's lifeline. Detective Ben Cantor trails the pack of wolves as the siblings vie for control of their legacy of power and assets. All four have the means and the motive to commit murder, but only one of them is most like Joe Wolf. Only one of them earned their father's love. Lurking in the shadows is the real alpha wolf. That creature survives on instinct and desire to kill all the wolves dead. And the book is called The House of Wolves, and it's by James Patterson. Now let's take a look at a book called Murder, She Wrote, Debonair in Death, a novel by Jessica Fletcher. Cabot Cove takes another step toward becoming the murder capital of the world. Jessica Fletcher is back in her lovely Maine coastal town after solving a murder in South Carolina. Geographically speaking, she has become something of an equal opportunity sleuth, and when Lothario Nelson Penzel, a newcomer to her hometown, is found battered to death in the art shop he'd bought a partnership in, she wastes no time setting out to prove that meek young manicurist Corrine Wilson is innocent despite having been found hysterical and covered in blood in front of the shop. With the help of Doc Hazlitt, Jessica prevents Sheriff Mort Metzger from questioning Corrine until Jessica can find her a lawyer. In the meantime, Jessica, with the aid of many of the Cabot Cove regulars, digs into the mystery herself. When her old acquaintance Michael Haggerty of M-16, caught trying to break into Penzel's house, explains that he's looking into an international smuggling ring, Jessica has to acknowledge that the case may be more complicated than she thought. Michael's later admission that there may be more than simple jewel smuggling involved and that he's after the kingpin Penzel was working for makes was working for, makes Jessica wonder whether Penzel was murdered by a cast-off lover, a jealous husband, his unhappy business partner, or a deadly spymaster. Naturally, she won't give up until the truth is revealed. Despite her long record of triumphs, the Queen of Cozy always finds an interesting new twist. And that was a book called Murder, She Wrote, Debonair in Death, and that was a novel by Jessica Fletcher. Now here's a book entitled Charlatans by Robin Cook. Charlatans is an explosive thriller from New York Times bestselling author and master of the medical thriller Robin Cook. Noah Rothhauser is the new super chief resident at the state-of-the-art Boston Memorial Hospital. 
Taking on such a prestigious job is a dream come true. But the pressures of the role become all too clear when a seemingly routine operation ends in disaster. With potential foul play suspected, it falls to Noah to investigate what happened. Questioning those involved uncovers bitter feuds within the team when the egotistical Dr. William Mason is quick to blame staff anesthesiologist Dr. Ava London for the tragic outcome. However, Dr. London, along with the nursing staff, point the finger at the surgeon. When two more unexpected deaths occur, Noah is forced to look closer at the impressively competent, charming, yet mysterious Dr. London. With his own job and integrity coming into jeopardy, Noah must decide which doctor is at fault and who he can believe before any more lives are lost. Once again, the book is called The Charlatans, and it's by Robin Cook. Now here's a book called The Zen of Therapy, Uncovering a Hidden Kindness in Life by Mark Epstein. A remarkable exploration of the therapeutic relationship, Dr. Mark Epstein reflects on one year's worth of therapy sessions with his patients to observe how his training in Western psychotherapy and his equally long investigation into Buddhism in tandem led to greater awareness for his patients and for himself. For years, Dr. Mark Epstein kept his beliefs as a Buddhist separate from his work as a psychiatrist. Content to use his training in mindfulness as a private resource, he trusted that the Buddhist influence could and should remain invisible. But as he became more forthcoming with his patients about his personal spiritual leanings, he was surprised to learn how many were eager to learn more. The divisions between the psychological, emotional, and the spiritual, he soon realized, were not as distinct as one might think. In the Zen of Therapy, Dr. Epstein reflects on a year's worth of selected sessions with his patients and observes how, in the incidental details of a given hour, this Buddhist background influences the way he works. Meditation and psychotherapy each encourage a willingness to face life's difficulties with courage that can be hard to otherwise muster. And in this cross-section of life in his office, he emphasizes how therapy, an element of Western medicine, can in fact be considered a two-person meditation. Mindfulness, too, much like a good therapist, can hold our awareness for us and allow us to come to our senses and find inner peace. Now, throughout this deeply personal inquiry, one which weaves together the wisdom of two worlds, Dr. Epstein illuminates the therapy relationship as spiritual friendship and reveals how a therapist can help patients cultivate the sense that there is something magical, something wonderful, and something to trust running through their lives, no matter how fraught they have been or might become. The book is called The Zen of Therapy, Uncovering a Hidden Kindness in Life, by Mark Epstein.
And that's all the time we have for this month's edition of Heard Any Good Books Lately? I'm George Douglas. I hope you enjoyed the program. If you'd like more information about how to become a patron of the North Carolina uh, Library of Accessible Books and Library Services, all you have to do is Google Accessible Books, State Library of North Carolina, or call one 888 388 2460. That's 1-888-388-2460. You can also use the same numbers and website to join the Friends of the North Carolina Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. It is this wonderful organization that sponsors this monthly feature on books. This program is intended for a print and visually handicapped people. Heard any good books lately will be available right after the broadcast at our website, ncreadingservice.org. So long until next time. <laughs>